Welcome to PR360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry, hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of PR360. And as always, I'm your host, Brett Deister. And with me, I have David Spann, who is an innovative marketing leader with diverse and strong expertise in technology-driven companies. He's had success in working across companies from startups to large corporations and has had senior-level roles in marketing sales at telecoms video conferencing, mobile applications, which include AT&T, Video, and Arcadin. But let's welcome to the show, David, welcome. Thank you, Brett. It's nice to be here. And so first question, as always, I ask my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Working in tech companies, especially as startups, you have to be a coffee drinker. Otherwise, you won't even be on the same plane as everybody else. So I like my coffee in the morning. Mm, yes. As do I. I actually really, really love my coffee, actually. I think a little too much sometimes. Yeah. One, one of the perks here is we have a very fancy espresso maker, and it gets everybody pretty much ready to go in the morning. Ah, you get all fancy on me, don't you? It works. No worries. But what desire led you to work as a PR practitioner in the tech and med tech field? Well, so I've always been involved in for technology companies, sometimes on the bleeding edge, usually leading edge technologies. And I've done it in different roles for marketing, sales, product, and business development. What I like about marketing is it lets you take complex technology and create a narrative around it that's simple, that people can understand, that allows you to go across not just your own brand, but in that space and in that technology, that might be something new. So sometimes you have to evangelize the, the market itself. So I've always liked to stay on that line, close to technology, but I'm a commercial guy through and through. So you're a technologist, I hear. I just like technology. And it doesn't always have to be the coolest technology. What it has to do is solve problems, right? And whether you're dealing on the consumer level or on the enterprise level, if your technology can solve problems, you've got something to be able to say about it and something to go to the market with. Do you have any favorite tech products you like so far? I'm a converted to Mac user. I was always a PC guy and I'm fully Apple. It's not just about the technology itself because I think the mobile world has talked about how Android is a better technology, but I love the user interface. I love the way that they get to, they bring things together and it's about, it's not just about one specific technology or one specific device. It's about how everything works together. I mean, they've seen that now, the Apple Watch as well. So I just love how easy it is for people. And if I can teach my mother to do it and to have an iPhone, that the test for me is, A, can you explain it to them? And B, can they use it? And that's what I like about simplifying a very complex technology. You'll hear that as a common thread in my discussion, because that's a lot about what I try to bring to the table from a marketing perspective is making it a simple message. Mm, yes, I explain all the tech to everybody because I use them all. <laughs> but I'm still a PC person because I build my own computers. There you go. You can't do that with Mac. Oh, you can't, unfortunately. But anyways, moving on to some insights on working in the public relations industry or working marketing in the tech industry. How 
can you give us some insights on like what it's all about, what people need to be working in there? Can you give us some insights about that? Sure. So I think what differentiates tech industry from some other verticals around marketing and PR is you need to have really good understanding of the technology itself in order to be able to create that messaging. Because sometimes it's very complex. And I struggled a little bit when I first came to Olive Edge, but because the technology was pretty deep. But once I got a handle around not just understanding it, but how to simplify the complexity of the technology into a narrative that people will understand. So I think that having a good understanding of the technology is a requirement in order to be successful in getting the market message out there for any technology company. Agreed. If you really don't know what you're talking about, it's hard to actually write about it. Well, it's very apparent that you don't know what you're talking about when the messages aren't consistent. I mean, that's anything in PR, but especially around what the value proposition is of the technology. It's not about how the technology works. It's about what the technology does for the end user or for the enterprise. Like how it might solve a problem or might help you be more convenient in that type of way? Exactly. Um, How the data streams through and where the packets go and what parts of the telecom world, you know, the packet core, all those things, they all matter in making it work. But what matters in the messaging is the problems itself. That's really what you're selling. You're not selling the technology, you're selling the solution. That's true. Yeah. You're always selling an idea of what it could help people with, but you're not really actually selling the product. You're more selling of what the idea for a person, how they could use it in a way. Is that right? Correct. And so what excites you about PR and digital marketing in 2020? Since it's a new year and all, what excites you about it? Everybody's always trying to come up with new ways to get the message out, to do the narrative. I'm still a big believer in the tried and true messaging. I think that the ability to leverage other people's messaging is a big part of it as well. What I mean from that is partnerships, using social media, but not only your own channels, but having other people write about you and talk about you. And that's how things become much more viral. So we're looking a little bit more at social media in support of of our messaging in 2020. But I still believe in the traditional marketing and public relations. It's about your mix. You can't rely on just one channel. You need to have a mix of avenues that you get your message out. And it's just a matter of how that shifts, how the mix shifts over time. And where do you think SEM and e-commerce is going in 2020? So search engine marketing and e-commerce is huge and it's going to continue to grow. I purchase 90% of all of my goods and services other than groceries online. And actually, you know what? Most of my groceries are now purchased throughout apps as well. But uh, I think it's a matter of continuing to be more targeted and more valuable to the end user. So when I go onto a site and they already have a feel for who I am because I've allowed them to, it makes my experience much easier. So the targeting is a big piece of that within reason and within privacy rules. Similarly with search engine marketing is the line is very thin between what's an ad and what's not. And there's been some new rules on that. And Google does a very good job of it. And so does Amazon now. But I don't really care as long as I'm getting what I believe is the right offer for me at that time. So that's where I think it's just a matter of getting more and more targeted. And it's not just about consumer goods. And, you know, we always think of ourselves as consumers, but it's also SEM and e-commerce is heavily driven now by corporate purchasing as well. So what I'm hearing is more personalization 
involved with SEM and e-commerce. Correct. And that creates more value to that end user because if I don't have to go through a lot of things that don't make sense for me. True. We always need more and more data and that's just going to help make everything more personalized. Can you explain what Aleph Edge is all about? Sure, sure. So Aleph Edge, and we can refer to it just as Aleph going forward, is an edge internet company. So what that means is the edge internet, it's a distributed internet architecture. What it takes is it combines a programmable paradigm where computing and connectivity are closer to the end user. So what does that all mean? So we basically enable 5G type applications for mobile devices through open APIs at the edge. So some examples, so there's really two types of applications we talk about. Native applications, which are applications that aren't available today that require the edge. So that would be things like autonomous driving and drones and a lot of artificial intelligence that requires low latency and high bandwidth in order to to function. In today's mobile environment, getting that low latency and high bandwidth just doesn't work. So you can't even have autonomous driving. Those are native applications that aren't even there today. So similar to when 4G was out, the whole app world or the marketplace for apps wasn't available until 4G came out. Netflix wasn't a streaming service. Netflix was sending me DVDs to my house. But with the advent of 4G and the availability to stream, it created a whole new world. Similarly, there's enhanced applications. So these are applications that are here today but will be greatly enhanced by having the edge, by having computing and connectivity closer to the end user. Things like streaming, things like gaming. If you're a gamer, you know that gaming from your mobile device, if you're playing against someone that's playing on a console or on a PC, they have a huge advantage because you're moving from one tower to the other and you're The game resides in the cloud, and it takes a a long time for it to go up and back down that 100 milliseconds. With the edge, that can be down to 20 to 30 milliseconds. Mm, Yes. I'm a gamer, and lag is the enemy of gamers, basically. So if that game, instead of residing in the cloud, lived on the edge closer to your device, it would perform like you were on a console, or if not better. And your ability to move from one cell site to the other I mean, there's a little bit more technology behind just moving. But as you know, you don't stand still when you're on your mobile device. Our technology will allow that to work like, and you won't even notice. And so are there any new marketing or PR strategies you're trying to use to get this message out about that? Because it seems like a really great technology for mobile users in general. So is there any new things you're trying for that? Sure. Well, you know, we started, like so last year, 2019, was really split into two of what we were doing from a messaging perspective. We started by just having to evangelize the space of the edge, defining what is the edge? What is the mobile internet? What's the mobile edge? And once that got better defined towards the end of the year, we shifted to focusing on amplifying our brand. And we did that through traditional press releases, attending a lot of industry events, both in the edge space, the mobile space, as well as start now, what we're focused on more is defining the offers and the products and messaging them more through partnership messaging, meaning joint press releases, joint demonstrations at shows, as well as getting down into the verticals who are the end users, right? We started talking about what's the space, what's the edge, 
then we started to define who is Olive Edge. And now we're going into the actual verticals who are the people that will use this and understand the targeted messaging for industrial IoT is much different than the marketing message for smart retail. So we'll be a little bit more targeted on our messaging into verticals. So back to the personalization thing about segmenting your audience and personalizing it to that segment. Is that correct? Similar. Yeah. You know, we usually think about personalization for an end user specific, but this is more personalization or targeting for a vertical. And our offers have to be, the messaging around our offers has to be more specific for that vertical. And what content have you seen that works best for the audiences you're trying to reach? Once again, it's very much about having the right mix of content. What I think works best is when you can use a use case. Instead of talking about the technology, earlier we talked about how people use it. People will then understand better. When I mentioned gaming and use that example, that's a use case. You understood that. So it's about talking about use cases, the cool ones. Everybody wants to hear about autonomous driving and drones and artificial intelligence, but also using something that they can understand. People's applications working better in an enterprise, privacy issues, so it's, it's more secure if it never leaves. It doesn't go to the cloud. It all stays in your enterprise. So understanding those use cases and the feature functionality of those, both for existing ones, but they have to be realistic as well. You can't just talk about autonomous driving. You need to make sure you talk about things that people, that solve problems people have today. And does social media fit within the marketing or PR strategy? Have you pushed into some of the legacy ones or have you starting to use it more and more? So we're pretty consistent with using social media as part of the mix. It's pretty standard in today's marketplace. I believe we will continue to do that and try to find ways to make it a bigger part of the mix, especially when we have partnerships. And one of the things we found, we made an announcement at the end of the year it involved a couple of different partners and, and an alliance. And if you can create a strategy together with your partners, it has a much bigger chance of going viral because there's just many different avenues. Different companies are posting about it. It just reaches a much broader audience. And what social networks have maximized your ROI? Well, definitely LinkedIn. We are a B2B type of application and technology. LinkedIn is definitely the best channel to spread the word, but Twitter is also very important. We make sure our posts go across Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, but Twitter seems to be very easy to retweet, and more and more people are using Twitter from a, a B2B perspective. But LinkedIn is still number one for us. And are you utilizing more of the video function on LinkedIn and the live sections that are starting to prop up more and more on LinkedIn, or have you stuck to more of the case studies and pictures in a way? A little of both. So we're not doing any of the live stuff yet. We are creating our own internal videos, or not internal, our own marketing videos. So it's a new type of content that we then promote and distribute using LinkedIn and Twitter. So when we provide some any new content, whether we're going to do it as part of our website, that's really how we launch it. We launch it on social media and have them the ability to view it within the social media channel. And this kind of jumps into the next question is, are you guys using any new content or testing any new content for 2020? Like podcasts, live streaming, video, or using any of those 
types of newer, I guess, media? Yeah, they're not new anymore, right? Um, yeah. Video is a big part of the strategy, especially because you can control more of the narrative and you can tell a story. And that's really what I think PR is about is telling a story and it's not a one-time story. So you need to be consistent in it. So video is something that we tested last year. We plan to use a little bit more this year, as well as joint podcasts. So I think the best type of podcast from a, a marketing and PR perspective is not when you're just talking about your own message, but when you can bring together two or three organizations that work together to create a solution and have a podcast about that. It does a couple of things. It makes it less of a pitch, like you're trying to sell something is one. The other is, is that it gives you access to a lot of different types of users that you wouldn't normally reach when you're distributing your, or promoting the podcast because people that follow someone else that might be in, in a related but different industry allows them to maybe learn a little bit more about what we're doing, where it's hard to reach those people if you're just doing it on your own. Yeah. You don't always have to be doing podcasts or creating your own podcast, but also being a guest host or anything like that can also reach new audiences in general. Exactly. So speaking of data privacy in the news, how does your message or your APIs and software have security in mind for all the data privacies and people worried about their data being spread out across everywhere? That's a great question. The edge by definition provides an additional level of security. When something is being served by the edge, it never goes out to the cloud. So your data itself is not traveling further or on other networks. It's actually staying closer to the end user. So for an enterprise, that's huge. An enterprise, their data is not going out to the cloud if they're serving an application from the edge. The way the technology works is that when you send a request, like you do a Google search, for example, on your phone, and it sends it to the tower, which then sends it to a, a telecom office, which then goes to the cloud. If that's something that's going to be served at the edge, wherever it's being served at the edge, it's going to stop there, and then the response is going to go back. If it's not something that is being served by the edge, we never even see it. We just look first. Is that something that we can handle? If not, it just goes on, and we never even see the data. So we're not having to deal with any security issues. We also work with some applications around connected screens that will provide additional targeted advertising, and all of our partners have to maintain very strict guidelines when it comes to privacy and data security. So security in mind is what I'm hearing. Yes, you have to. And so what do you think are the biggest hurdles for digital marketing in 2020? From a digital perspective, there's a lot of noise out there. Being able to get your message out in that noise is a challenge, but also making sure that it's simple enough that people understand what the message is. That's very important. And it's also about making digital marketing just one of the channels that you're using as part of the media mix. So your message can be communicated in multiple ways. I just think that there's so much noise in digital marketing and so much is moving there. Um, you've got to find, find a way to either stand out, but also simplify the message. Simplifying a message can be a Herculean task sometimes. It really is. And it's taken me some time here at Olive Edge to try to simplify our message. I think we're getting there, but it's still very complex. Yes. Well, good luck to you on the simplifying the message. Thanks. But anyways, what's some advice do you have for people that want to work in this type of industry, either being a marketer or a PR person? Great question. I mean, going back to what I said earlier, you need to understand the technology. 
You don't need to understand exactly how it works. You need to learn what problems it's solving and then be able to explain that. So I use a test, which we talked about earlier with the iPhone is, can I in 30 seconds explain what we do to my mother? If so, that means I've done my job. So you need to be able to explain what your company does in terms that different audiences understand. I can get very deep and technical in a technology audience. If I'm going to the traditional or mainstream press, it needs to have use cases. So you've got to know your audience, but you've got to know what problems your technology solves and what your value proposition is. And it's fun. You get to be creative around a technology that might not be that creative. Yeah, that's pretty solid advice. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? So I think when you're dealing with PR in the tech world, you have to understand that if it's not a consumer type of technology, you need to still be able to have some fun with it, but focus on the problems it solves. Focus on the value proposition and less about exactly how the technology works. I don't know what makes the camera so great on my iPhone. I just know that it works. So that's what Apple promotes to me. Make sure that you understand really where the value is. And it can't be just where the value you think it is. It's got to be coming from that end user perspective. Put yourself in the shoes of the end user to understand what's important to them. So all I'm hearing is know the value of your message. Exactly. Know the value of your message, but not what always you think the value is, what your customers, partners, end users think the value is or what's valuable to them. All right. That's actually some pretty solid advice. Thank you, David, for coming in and being a host for PR360. Great, Brett. This was enjoyable. I really enjoyed our time together. Look forward to hearing other PR360 uh, webcasts. Yes, and thank you. And as always, thank you for tuning in to PR360. And if you could please be so kind, just hit that subscribe button for all our podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. And join us next week as we talk to a very exciting and excellent person in the PR tech industry. All right, guys, have a good week and see you next week. Later.